Welcome to Balancing Boldness with Bahar. I had to think for a second because <laughs> we're in the process of rebranding and doing all sorts of fun things. So it took me a moment. Uh, for those of you who are not used to my podcasts, you may hear a cat screaming in the background, especially lately. He's very, very clingy since we got back from our trip to the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter in Kentucky um, a few days ago. So we left him for the first time for four days and he's very, very clingy. I think he has some serious separation anxiety. If we're not in the same room as him, he starts screaming like a baby. Uh, so it's kind of unavoidable. Anyway, today's topic is about gay pride, basically. Pride Month. Um, and I wanted to talk about this topic because so many, you know, friends and acquaintances, everybody I know, myself included, um, we're all experiencing a lot of marketing, lots of ads, lots of um, posters and rainbows everywhere and all kinds of stuff. Uh, this month for Gay Pride Month. And I think it's just Gay Pride Month. I don't know. The whole alphabet has gotten into it, but uh, we're just going to go with that. Um, and so we're all noticing it, right? More so this year than any other year previous. Uh, so I wanted to talk about that with regard to single parents and families, kids, that kind of thing. When it comes to single parents, now I know there are some parents who go through separation and divorce because one of the partners has decided that they are gay or lesbian or bisexual or unhappy or transgender or whatever it is that they're going through. For a man or a woman to go through any kind of mental dysfunction, meaning they're not operating normally, right? They're going through something where they feel like it's not just a matter of a lack of happiness. It's that they don't feel comfortable in themselves. They don't know how to operate life. They're, they're just stuck on this, this one weak area. And it's caught, it's bleeding into other aspects of their life, their relationships, their family life, their career, you know, so on. That's a problem, right? I don't handle those issues. That's for a psychiatrist, psychologist, you know. And if I do encounter that kind of a scenario and someone reaches out to me, I always say, you know, you need to go seek um, outside help first. I can help you with other stuff, but... That's something that I, you know, I don't have the expertise on that. I know what to deal with, you know, in, in layman's terms and in terms of life coaching and all of that. But if you want to get better, then you have to seek outside help. Unfortunately, there are a lot of therapists, psychiatrists, um, psychologists who want you to stay like that. They want you to stay dysfunctional because that means that they continue to get paid. Um, I don't really want it. Like if you're working with me five years down the road, I haven't done my job to equip you to be able to live life on your own um, in the future that you've designed for yourself and that kind of thing. So I, I don't want to hang on to you, <laughs> if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? If that's the case, then I didn't do my job. 
right? I want you to be able to learn and to tackle the different areas that you need to and, you know, reimagine and redesign your future for the second half of your life after divorce um, or just the second half of your life. It's not everybody who works with me is divorced, but so that you can go on to live the future that you desire. So every once in a while, you know, I'll come across a situation like that. Or these days, children under the age of 15 are now deciding it's a trend to be bisexual or non-binary or, you know, call me a fuzzy unicorn and that's what I want to identify as. And it's a total trend. Because if we look back on facts and figures 10 years ago, we didn't really have this issue. There wasn't a whole transgender trend. There wasn't a um, a non-binary trend. It is now, right? That's the way to get on the map because it's so bizarre. It's so misunderstood. It's, 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 you know, it's different, right? So that gets you on the map. Celebrities, um, you know, magazine articles, that's like the thing right? But if you are in your 30s, 40s, or older, you remember when in the 90s, when AIDS was really a big issue, and people were, you know, associating that with, you know, gay people. And, um, you know, there was a big, you know, the 80s and 90s was big drug culture and clubs and things like that. I mean, it still is. But, um, people were sharing needles and things like that. So AIDS was, you know, a really big issue. That was like the thing, right? And so learning about gays and lesbians and and trying to understand that was like a thing. And every once in a while, you'd come across somebody who was, you know, wanted to get attention, um, whether it was in school or somebody you worked with, and you, you just knew like, you're not really gay or you're not really a lesbian. You're just doing this because you need attention. Like you're not happy with yourself. So this is the thing you want to, you think this is the thing that's going to make you have some shtick. You know what I mean? This is your thing. And not everybody is, you know, when I hear my 12 year old daughter say, well, people are born like that. I go, no, not everybody's born like that. Some people are highly influenced. Um, And you can see that in, kids and older people and you start to connect the dots like on Facebook when somebody makes a comment about something whether it's a social issue political issue or whatever you look at their profile picture first they're either a cartoon or they have some rainbow around their profile picture or you know something indicative of you know the left agenda or a liberal agenda progressive agenda whatever And then you click on their profile and you can see who they are or a glimpse of who they are, right? You can see what kind of people they associate with, what kind of stuff that they post. um, And you start to connect the dots and you go, yeah, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah, of course you would say whatever comment you said, um, because this is this is your thing, right? Um, You've adopted this as your persona, like this is your soapbox, right? Whether you actually were born that way or not, or, or, you know, society has sort of molded you in this way, and you've allowed it to happen. 
I read a book recently called, what did I do with the book? Oh, here it is. Uh, I read a book by Erwin Lutzer. When a nation forgets God, seven lessons we must learn from Nazi Germany. And it's a very short read. But in it, he talks about how, you know, before World War II, like everybody knows World War II, lots of Jews were killed. Um, lots of other non-Jews were killed, undesirables, as, as Hitler called them. Um, anybody who was, you know, dark-skinned, gypsies, blacks, um, anybody who with a disability, you know, they're oh, midgets. I'm like, not midgets, little people, excuse me. I have to use the right term. <clears throat> so many different types of what he deemed undesirable, okay? So we all know that as sort of the, like the big highlight of World War II, but what most people don't understand is that it took a couple of decades to get to that point, especially because we didn't have social media. I mean, look how things changed so much in the last you know, 14 months, 15 months. Um, and we had social media and the mainstream media. But back in the 1920s and 30s in Europe, we didn't, you know, that didn't happen. So it took longer to influence people and to establish certain uh, laws and rules and kind of change legislature and things like that in Germany and um to really start working on people. So it took time. And one of the things that they did was they took away morals and values and they changed them and warped them to the point where it was, you know, everything that benefited Hitler's people and what they wanted people to believe. Um, you no longer had religious values. You no longer had, you know, um, uh, where, you know, women were not supposed to get pregnant out of wedlock. That all changed. And then they said, oh, yeah, the young women, of course they can. As long as they have babies that look like Hitler's definition of a perfect child, sure, they can have as many babies as they want. So it became a thing, a trend. Babies for Hitler. Um, and so, you know, but at the time in the 20s and 30s, I mean, that you weren't, that was not okay if you had morals and values and um, if you were uh, any kind of even moderately religious family or you just didn't do that, right? Um, and so he started to break down the morals and values and he started to tell people that sort of up was down and down was up. He started to change things. And we're noticing that these days people go, well, I don't understand. This stuff doesn't make any sense. Well, it's not supposed to make sense. But if they tell you over and over and over again, then you start to believe it. It works on half the population in the country right now. It's been working on half the population in the country. The rest of us are sitting here going, this does not make any sense. And it's never going to make sense. So back in the 80s and 90s, when we were starting to realize that, you know, oh, oh, okay, that person's gay. What does that mean? And we were trying to understand it. And we were trying to understand, well, what kind of relationship do they have? I still, to this day, have not been able to understand. No one has been able to articulate to me why, if you are a man 
and you want to be in a relationship with another man, why one of you becomes more effeminate than the other? Why? Why does one of you take upon, take upon yourself, you know, the more feminine roles in your relationship? Why? You're two men. So behave like two men, right? But it, it never happens. I never see two masculine men living together. There's always one that's more effeminate and one who takes on the feminine roles in the relationship and in the home. Likewise with women, two women, there is one that is always more masculine than the other. You are two women. Why is one of you more masculine than the other? Why does one cut their hair short and, you know, sort of fit the stereotype? Uh, You know, wearing cargo pants and you got a chain attached to your wallet and, um, I don't know, you shave half the side of your head. Why? And you don't embrace the fact that you have breasts, right? Why is that? Nobody has been able to explain this to me. And I've asked. And I've even asked people, you know, that I was candid with and had, you know, friendly relationship with. Nobody's been able to explain that. And just go, well, that's the way we like it. Well, why? That means something. That means inherently you are more masculine or more feminine or you feel you need to follow that rule or, you know, hey, I just, I'm not into makeup and stuff. So if I'm a lesbian, all of a sudden I have to wear cargo pants. I don't know what that is. But it was the heterosexual world, heterosexual, that's how I say it instead of heterosexual. Um, the rest of us are trying to figure that out, right? So it took us a while to kind of be like, okay, well, they're two guys, but they they live together and they want to have a puppy together and they, okay, they, they want to get married. Okay, and then and then what? So they're just committed to each other. Now, here's here's my take on things. I have said this since the dawn of time. If you are gay or lesbian, um, personally, I think if you're bisexual, you just want to have your cake and eat it too. You just, you, you don't know which way the wind wants to blow. And so you just want to be able to do everybody. That's usually the case. Um, when people I find are bisexual, they just, you know, I think, um, I think maybe babies, there's a theory that babies are bisexual and then, you know, culture sort of molds them one way or another. Um, but I think if you're an adult, especially over the age of 20 and you don't know which way you want to go at this point, I think you're confused. So, um, and I think there are some cases where people are gay or lesbian because they've been abused or something traumatic has happened to them. Um, I know people who, are very mixed up in their sexuality and their roles in the relationship, um, their sexual fantasies, things like that, because that they because they have been abused and because they have gone through traumatic experiences. If that's the case, then yeah, I don't hold that against you. I don't think you are, you know, good or bad or whatever. Like I know that this is directly related to your traumatic experience. I don't expect you to be normal. I don't expect you to be typical uh, for your gender or your role in your relationship because you've gone through some serious stuff. Do you need help? Absolutely. Um, and unfortunately, some people have gone and sought help, um, even godly counsel, 
you know, um, through Christian counselors and things like that. And they have been um, abused even more by that particular individual. Um, Unfortunately, you know, not everybody who's out there trying to help people is really out there to help people. Sometimes they make things worse. Um, You know, that's just the nature of any industry. There's always good and bad people out there. But when we're talking about understanding, you know, people who are gay or lesbian, like I always said, hey, straight people can't figure out relationships and marriage. If you're gay and you can figure it out, more power to you, right? Do I think that that was God's plan for people to be gay or lesbian? No, because God's plan was for us to procreate. God's plan was us to be fruitful and multiply, to make babies. You can't make babies from two women. You can't make babies from two men. Nowadays, because of science, and I'm using air quotes, because of science, two lesbians can have a baby or two gay men can have a baby. But guess what? Somewhere in that picture, a sperm and an egg got together. Still, even though it's been transplanted or cooked up in a Petri dish, it still exists, right? So for those who are saying, well, you know, science, science, well, that's still science. Biology is still science, right? They want to pick and choose their science. So if you are gay or lesbian and you want to be in a committed relationship, great. I love commitment. I want to see people in committed relationships. I like when I meet someone and I know they're gay and they're with a committed partner and they live together. If they want to be married, great. Okay, be married, you know, even better. And stay like that. Like I love when they go, oh, I've been with my partner for 23 years. Great. Good. That tells me something about you two. That you both understand what it is to be in a healthy relationship and a committed relationship. Unfortunately, because of the 80s and 90s and the AIDS, you know, hoopla, um, there, there was a huge sort of overcast feeling about, you know, gays and lesbians that they were very promiscuous. And that still is true for many, um, that they have a lot of, you know, you know, multiple partners, they're not committed, that kind of thing. So when I do encounter someone who is in a committed relationship, I love that. I, you know, what they do behind closed doors, you know, their sexual relationship, that's their own business. But in terms of human nature, that they're committed to each other, I, I love that. Now, do I think two men or two women raising children is ideal? No. And it's the same reason that I don't think a single mom or a single dad thrives as a parent. Hold on. Stick with me here. I know we're at the 19 minute mark. There is a reason why there is a mother and a father figure in a child's life. It is necessary to create that child and it, I believe, is necessary to raise that child. God doesn't do things by mistake, okay? He planned these things out. We just recently went to, you know, the Ark Encounter and 
we were learning about in the Creation Museum, when we were learning about the order of which God created things. And my daughter was asking, because she's comparing it to evolution and things like that. And, she, and there was a portion of one of the exhibits where it talked about, you know, why, how evolution explains what order things came to be versus creation, Genesis version of um, the order of things. And God didn't create plants before he created water and light. Pretty sure, right? If I got that correct. Um, he didn't create animals before plants because plants needed to exist so that the animals could eat plants, right? So he created them in a particular order because that's the way it's supposed to go, right? He didn't create one thing and then go, oh, by the way, okay, well, they're starving now, so I guess I'll create plants. No, he created the plants first. The same thing holds true for families. You need a sperm and an egg to make a baby, that child needs a female influence and a male influence. Now, we go back to the whole, well, but if you're saying that, you know, a gay couple, one of them is more feminine than the other. Yeah, just because you are playing the role of a feminine versus a masculine in your relationship doesn't mean that you inherently have everything that a mother is. Now, I have seen relationships. I've seen examples of, you know, gay and lesbian couples that are raising children. And, you know, the one is just much better suited to the the mother role versus the, you know, the other partner. I've seen that. And yes, that is sort of the best that they could come up with in order to raise that child. But there's still that percentage that's just not ever going to be completely solidified. That child is always going to um, wonder what it would be like to be raised by a mother and a father, right? There's always that little uncertainty there. Um, when you think about Birdcage, the movie, some of you don't remember this movie, but I do. Um, and the son was predominantly raised by his father and his father's gay partner, but he was created with a man and a woman who just happened to have a fling. And then, you know, the mother kind of stayed out of the picture, but she still existed when he needed her. Um, when the in-laws were coming to visit, he, you know, they, they brought in the real mom. Okay. They needed her to be part of that whole scenario. Not just because they thought, you know, her parents are conservative and this is what they want and they didn't want to embarrass, um, you know, the in-law, the father who was running for some kind of political office or something. But because it just, you need all the parents there, all hands on deck, right? When, when a new couple is learning how to be, uh, it's important to have the parents involved. When women say... Oh, I'm a single mom. I don't need it. I don't need a husband. I can do everything myself. I can raise the kids, you know, just fine by myself. Well, you're trying to convince yourself pretty hard. But you know and I know deep down that those children need a male figure. And those same women will put their kids in sports and they'll want their coach to be a positive influence. And then that coach ends up being a pervert and doing something inappropriate. And then that woman is crying tears, 
right? Because she put her children in that kind of situation. It doesn't always happen, but it happens a lot to single moms who put themselves in situations like, I don't need anybody. And then all of a sudden they're dating somebody who ends up being a creep or because at one way, shape or form, you and your kids need a male influence in your lives. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. And likewise, a man raising children on his own needs a female influence. There are tons of, tons of movies out there where the guy's trying to raise the kids or a daughter, especially as a single dad, whether he's a widow, widower, or, you know, it was a divorce situation or whatever. There's always a woman who comes in and helps with the kids. And then all of a sudden they fall in love and happily ever after, right? There's a reason for that because kids need a mom. And you can also see when families go through, you know, the loss of a parent, you know, through terminal illness, that kind of thing breaks my heart. Um, I, I know people who have been raised without a mother and different from losing a father when they don't have a mother, it's just different. It is. Yes, they always feel the loss of a father. They do. But when they lose a mother, those individuals go through their entire life lost. It is an unexplainable thing that happens to them. They never have those roots that a mother creates for a child. They never have that sort of sense of direction, the level of comfort and attention and love that comes from a quality, good, healthy mother. And those individuals just grow and they move on and they have a relationship, but they're always, there's a piece of them that's just lost and you can see it. And I've seen it in every single person that I know that has grown up without a mother. And so that's how important you know, these roles and relationships are. So as we're going through Gay Pride Month and we're seeing all sorts of rainbows and advertisements, and by the way, on rainbows, um, there's a t-shirt at the museums that says, I'm taking back my rain, or I'm taking back the rainbow. Because the rainbow was part of Genesis and part of creation and Noah's Ark and all of that. And somehow we've lost our rainbow. It's still there. But if you put a rainbow up now, everybody goes, oh, are you gay? Or are you just, no, I'm just supporting gay people. It has nothing to do with actual rainbows at all. It means something now. And as we see rainbows everywhere and as we see, you know, backgrounds on Facebook posts and uh, profile pictures and all of that, I want you to understand that we see a lot of things, we hear a lot of things that maybe we don't have to adopt, that we don't have to uh, absorb, we don't have to put upon our own lives. I respect every single human being. If you stood in front of me and you were dressed in 17 different colors and had a, on a furry costume and told me that you were an animal and not a human, I would respect you for the very short time that I deal with you. 
But I would hope that you get mental help. Because as an adult human being, if you say that you are something that you are not, you are unsure of who you are. And therefore you need help, right? Um, I have gay friends and lesbian friends and I respect them. And I would hope, just as I would hope for any straight person that I know, that they would be, they would find a healthy and committed relationship. If they told me that they were seeking to adopt or, you know, have a surrogate for a child or whatever that they wanted to have, you know, I would support them, you know, as a friend and okay, I'm happy for you, whatever you guys want to do. Um, because it's not my place to say do it or don't do it unless they ask and they're my client. Um, do I think that's ideal? No. But am I happy that they're in a committed relationship where they want to bring a child into the world? Yes. But I'm going to finish on this one story. And I want you to kind of use that this for food for thought. Just because you can create your own rules and because society allows you to do XYZ doesn't mean that you're going to thrive that way. Okay. And this is an extreme situation. So obviously not everybody's going to encounter something like this. And, you know, um, it's sort of like the perfect storm, but I want you to think about it. How much do you have to contort your life and create new rules and processes and think you know better And then you have to deal with the consequences. So for a while, I was in a single moms group. And every once in a while, there would be a woman in there who was single by choice, meaning she had a a baby with, you know, using a sperm bank or, you know, just got pregnant, didn't maintain a relationship with the father or um, was a lesbian in the group. And you know, had a child on her own or was in a relationship or something and it didn't work out. Well, this one woman kept referring, she kept saying, my ex, my ex, my ex. And then every once in a while, she would say, my wife, my wife. And so I was like, wait, what? So I'd have to kind of pay attention. Because uh, I was like, wait, wife, okay. Oh, okay, she's a lesbian, right? So... She had just had her youngest child. So I think she had three kids. All three of the kids were biologically hers using a sperm bank. Okay, stay with me here. I don't know if they were all the same sperm. Like she was the same donor for all three. I don't know. But the mother's side, they were all her, her eggs, right? And she had given birth to all three kids. So they grew in her body. They were half hers biologically with her egg. And she was a sperm donor. The lesbian wife did nothing when it comes to the biology making of these children. Okay. But the mom who gave birth to these children put the lesbian wife on the birth certificate as father. Because they got married and decided they wanted to be married. They made three babies, or she made three babies, and they stuck with that plan. And so she's going to be father. Okay. That woman, the lesbian wife, also was abusive. Oh. Well, 
if you want to be abused, why don't you be in a heterosexual relationship, right? To me, like in my mind, I go, you're with a woman. If I'm going to be with a woman, I don't expect that she's going to beat me, right? Uh, I don't expect that a man would beat me either, but I definitely don't expect that another woman would have that kind of dynamic with me. I, what's the point? I don't know. So the woman was abusive. Two or three weeks after she gives birth to her youngest child, the lesbian wife takes all three kids, including the youngest who is nursing, and takes them on a road trip to Ohio from Virginia for two weeks to go visit her family, basically kidnapping the kids. And so this woman is just up in arms and just, you know, my baby, she's nursing, you know, the baby's nursing and all that stuff. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. At every step of the way, you have gone against definitely God's plan, but also you've contorted things to benefit what you wanted to do. Well, what you wanted to do, well, here's the consequence of what you wanted to do. At some point in our relationships, there is a consequence. We all have to pay for them. Even for straight men and women who are going through separation and divorce, one of the most important lessons you can learn is what you did to find that person in the first place, who was inevitably the wrong person. Okay. Now, some people say, well, the relationship was great when we were first married and then things changed. Okay. Well, then that person was not the ultimately the right person because if it was meant to last you 50 years, that person would not go haywire. So I know for me, I know exactly where I went wrong. I entered, I entered into a relationship that from the first date, I was unsure and didn't even want to go. And I went anyway. And then I progressed the relationship, even though there were red flags and, you know, X, Y, Z. And next thing you know, I'm stuck. Okay. If I had given myself more time, if I had taken a step back, if I had chilled out and not dated anybody for a minute and just sat with myself. If on that first day I go, this feeling doesn't, I don't even feel like going. I should have stayed home. Right? So if we listen to ourselves and our gut instinct and so many other signs that we tend to ignore, maybe we would have avoided such things. But because I didn't, I created a situation that There's no coming back from that separation, divorce, the things that we've been through. Now, granted, I can say I can find the silver lining and go, you know, we're stronger because of it. We learned things that we wouldn't have. We know we had all these experiences or whatever. But is that what I wanted for my kids? No, not even close. I can say that I've gone through all this stuff and I'm smarter and I'm wiser and all these things. But that's not what I wanted for my kids. I wanted a different kind of dad for my kids. I wanted a different kind of home life for our kids. I wanted a house set down roots. I wanted to raise my kids in a beautiful house and have a backyard and be able to go on vacations. I just wanted so many things that didn't happen. So when we think we know better and we make decisions in our lives and we contort rules and regulations and social norms and our relationship roles and we turn them on their heads right and we think up is down and down is up because 
That's the cool thing to think these days. There is a consequence for every single one of us. Gay, straight, purple, green, orange, whatever. Young, old, there is a consequence for all of us. And so as you go through Gay Pride Month, I want you to respect everybody. But just because somebody else chooses to live a life that does not align with how you want to live your life or raise your children, you don't have to take that upon yourself. You don't have to change your profile image. You don't have to start thinking that up is down and down is up. You don't have to. Just as everyone else can have their opinions and we respect all of theirs. And we don't go to bed with their partner, (laughs) right? What they do in their own house is their own business and how they live their life. But as long as we respect them, we expect it's okay to expect respect in, in return. And to disagree. And if you are Christian or Jewish or Muslim or whatever religion you believe, but you believe in God. Then you know what God's plan was and you know how God works and God doesn't make mistakes. And so if he intended us to create life in a certain way, then I think he intended us to live life in a certain way. And if you are a uh, Christian living life with biblical values, then you would understand all the other lessons that are involved on how he would hope that as a heavenly parent, that we would live our lives. So I thank you for taking the time to listen Balancing Boldness with yours truly, Bahar. And it's going to be a long month, but it's a hot month for most of the country. I hope you are getting out there and enjoying uh, summer without masks on and enjoying time with your kids and um, fighting the good fight for, you know, what's right in this world. And how we can raise our kids in a world where things make sense and we're not all sitting there scratching our heads and trying to decipher the next new trend. Be a positive influence for your kids. Have conversations with them. Talk to them. Understand what they think they believe. um, And then set them straight because they usually have no idea what they're talking about. (laughs) Just like we didn't when we were their age. So thanks again for listening and I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.